welcome to another episode of Seeing Synchronicity. Have you ever had a dream about something that then transpires into your waking life? I have, and it was the weirdest thing ever. In Freudian's dream psychology, Freud believed that our dreams are more or less counterpart to the conscious lives we live. During dreaming, it is said that the subconscious mind is working in overdrive, weaving out the repressed conflicts of the psyche. Essentially, we tend to dream of our expiring days, not to mention hints of the future. What if this had the reverse effect? What if the Freud's concept of dreams as the unopened envelope to analyzing dreams was readily open to the mind's eye of your psychic intuition? What would you do? Let me set the mood. I could feel my nocturnal allies get heavier. A feathered hand tapped me from the shoulder. I wasn't asleep just yet, as I could feel the weight of my body like a broken down truck. You know that feeling you get when you zone in and out of sleep and the subdued sounds of the TV are buzzing? It's that fuzzy noise you hear, but you just don't take notice. I'm in. REM sleep. By now, my pillow absorbs the pool of dribble from the deep sleep. I remember this dream so vividly. Sometimes it's harder though, as you either forget them or it's like you don't even dream. I call this a dream schism. We're in my girlfriend's car. I'm behind the wheel, heading out, driving into the abyss, when a lady's voice props up from behind, cursing the words, No! Wrong! Stop! Darkness consumes me. My dream, that is. is broken up. I'm in one of those dream schisms. It probably lasts only a few seconds, but feels like it could be at least an hour. A loud screeching noise combined with the scream of a woman pierces my eardrums, then followed by glass being smashed. I wake up, still in mid-sleep, gasping for air, devoured by the pillows though it were airbag from a car. I cut back into my dream. I remember the glowing light, a radiant hospital transition almost instantaneously into a gentle sapia. I began visualizing the same scenario in the car, except this time, the tranquility beckons a realistic experience. One could say that the phenomenon of REM is as if this aspect of dreaming is indistinguishable from our actual waking life, a sort of good shut-eye on a crazy train. The music coming from the radio was humming, and everything was just so angelic. There was no worry in the world. It didn't matter where we were going. I felt invincible. I wasn't afraid of anything. Then, almost polar opposite, I shifted my gaze to the rearview mirror and noticed a lady of Indian descent, seated in the back seat. Cars were rushing by and the static radio hissing. The malevolent atmosphere had me gripping the steering wheel for dear life. I could hear her scribbling on a piece of paper, voicing the words, No! Wrong! Fail! over and over until I realised I was a part of a driving test and that she was my driving instructor. I slammed on the brakes, but they wouldn't react. I pressed the pedal to the point where it was touching the floor. It's like that sensation you get when someone's chasing you in the dream, but you just can't move. The dream closes. I enter a new dream. On the street full of cars and people dining in, the slow-paced environment quickly derails. I visualise seeing a crash dummy test. The red car faces its wrecker. I can feel it in my bones. I know it's coming. It all happened too quickly. Before impact, a series of montage images fills my dream. A bull runs across the field and... For the very first time, I'm situated behind the wheel, the perspective looking out through the windscreen at a million spectators. A horn from a car is heard and then silence. A slow impact of cars colliding and a crash dummy being thrown around, one being squashed behind the wheel where its head pops off, is what really stood out to me the most before it turned to dark. Here's where it gets strange. <laughs> 
Something occurred to me the morning after I had this dream. I remember it like this. My girlfriend and I decided to go out for dinner on Ligon Street. After we both agreed that I'd drive, she handed over the keys to the car and off we went. As we pulled out the garage, the whole car then started to shake violently along the rocky alleyway. I remember cringing every time the steering rack locked and the endless vibration running through our bodies. Not once did I think about the dream I had at that moment and how the brakes had failed to work. It was weird, in the least, that a week prior to this happening, a mechanic had suggested to fix the brakes. But what could this all be a sign of? I was dazed by the vanilla scent of the car's air freshener. Even the minuscule dream catcher dangling from the rearview mirror was later an exponential metaphor to the symbolism of my dreams. We dined at Cafe Cavallino. As we chatted away and I began telling her about the dream that I had, I told her how it was odd how I dreamt about driving her car and then actually driving it. Then, almost calculatively, the waiter sprung from nowhere. But it wasn't just any waiter. It was a part of the story I was leading up to. The part where the Indian female driving instructor in the back seat of the car was standing before us with a pen and clipboard ready to take our order. Instantly I could feel my hair stand on end, while wondering why this parallel synchronistic experience was precisely aligned. I stood back and thought for a moment of the meaningful connection that transformed the dream into the presence of my metaphysical reality. I looked over at my girlfriend, stunned, spooked, creeped out, for lack of better words. I was just going to say how there was a lady in the back seat, I said. She was a driving instructor, an Indian lady just like the one that came to serve us. I looked at her pale face, her eyes bulgy like a ghoul in the night, maybe it was the weird sensation you get from goosebumps, or maybe she thought I was just crazy. She even spoke in that thick Indian accent, tapping her pen on the clipboard in her yes or no direct answers in questioning the meals on the menu. After we finished eating, I remember feeling like I had a bad migraine. It just wouldn't go away. It was so intense we picked up and left. It couldn't be from drinking as my girlfriend was the one drinking wine. My girlfriend thought it'd be a wise idea to stuff for some ice cream. Maybe it'll make it better, she said. It didn't. It made it worse. I could feel the lump of vanilla in my head, an unbearable brain freeze. I never get these. The next part is even weirder. As we were walking back to the parking lot, a tall, chubby man emerged inconspicuously out from the dark and passed us. I was scratching my head the whole way back to the car, my head like an empty vessel. I knew this person, but couldn't quite put my finger on it. As I turned the ignition, the engine came to life. It suddenly occurred to me. I turned over to my girlfriend. That was my driving instructor. She was confused to where I was going with this. Back there, we just passed my driving instructor. She turned and said, it's just a coincidence. After dinner, we headed to Coburg to see Taken at the drive-ins. The film was action-packed with crash scenes that somewhat resembled something out of my dream. That night, I drove with extra precaution so that it wasn't our lives, metaphorically speaking, being taken. These strange connections were only the tip of the iceberg. The next day, my sisters and I decided to take a trip to St Kilda to make the most of the winter sunshine. As we drove along the St Kilda road, the car jerked left and right on the tram tracks like a rocky roller coaster. I remember hearing the screeching trams nearby as I gazed absentmindedly outside the car window. The sun broke out of the clouds and strangely, I remember feeling cold like the steel tram tracks. The whole world around me felt like the dream I had, the sapia-coloured atmosphere, 
Then, my sister's phone started ringing. It was my mum. Just found out that her grandpa just had a stroke and was taken to St. Vincent's Hospital. A few days later, we went and visited him. Walking down the hospital corridor, I was instantly reminded of the white light in my dream. The nurse led the way to the acute assessment unit. There he was, lying in bed, sitting upright just enough to sip on his water. The nurse aiding him, yet again, was Indian, with that very same accent that is almost cunning. At first I was worried my grandpa had lost his memory, as he couldn't remember who I was. All he ever wanted to do was force me to eat the vanilla ice cream, but I kept telling him that I couldn't, that it was too cold for it, and despite it, I knew that I had to. Seeing these deja vu visions in the form of dreams, I was able to make an indirect connection, that due to these several associations with driving, it became apparent that the ego, superego, and instinctive drives led to these arbitrary occurrences. That perhaps the car had symbolised the structure of my grandpa's skull experiencing a stroke as though it were a head-on collision. What was also cunning was how the Indian lady from my dream appeared everywhere. The fact that she was drive a driving instructor signified the archetype of leading the way and directing a positive outcome where there could have been otherwise. It is said that the dream catcher, like the one in my girlfriend's car, is symbolic for filtering out nightmares into brighter thoughts. This saintly reference gave rise to even things like the idiosyncrasy in travelling to St Kilda and St Vincent's Hospital, where as you may know, saint has connotations of a utopian holiness, and that to a dream of a bright light is a sign of hope and new beginnings. This was definitely a near-death experience for my grandpa, hinting the possibility of the unknown a causal relationship, that if I was to have a car crash like the one in my dream, would my grandpa still have a stroke? Or... There is just no sleep for the wicked. Some say that truth is stranger than fiction, but it's the uncanny fuse between coincidence and the causal parallelism that really gives me the chills. It is stranger than synchronicity, something more than destiny, and it just gets stranger every time. Tune in next time for another episode of Seeing in Synchronicity for more eerie stories that connect us closer to the language of the universe.